0: Hey guys, it's another Panther Ranch podcast, Vlad Harris here. It's Thursday, getting close to the weekend, obviously one more day of this hell and we're done, thank God. Here in Houston, traffic is so, so, you know, because people obviously on my feet get tired of hearing traffic reports. God forbid if I take a break from uh reporting the same shit everybody else does on about, about pit athletics you know to talk about you know local stuff but to each its own anyways it's 68 degrees here so we're obviously temperatures are going down here thank god because I'm to tired of this hundred degrees shit it's fun for a while I mean of course if it snows I'm sure we can see what's then but here in Houston, it doesn't really snow much. If it does, it's for a day, whatever. Anyways, guys. Some uh, news that's come up. Uh, for one thing, Tyler Sear, the tight end, has announced he's transferred for personal reasons. Much like Chris Clark, who is a tight end, transferred for personal reasons. Then, of course, Travis Kuntz, uh, commitment, uh, JUCO commitment. One of the top JUCOs for tight, especially for tight end. He decommits for personal reasons. So you got three guys here, and pretty much personal reasons are the re, are are you know the reasons they're leaving, which you know is very concerning. Now, in the case of Chris Clark. I don't think really it's so much the head coach or the uh, program itself was the issue. you got to realize this guy bounced around so many freaking times like a pinball. He was at UCLA. Then he decided to commit to Syracuse. Then, you know, out of a whim, he decides to decommit and come to Pitt. And next thing you know, he's gone. He plays a season. He goes rogue. All of a sudden, you know, he's a, he's a Towson state, but, uh, you know, so I really don't really don't see his, you know, this whole trend that too concerning. I mean, the last two sure. Clark, Clark, not so much cause he kind of was a uh, flake to begin with and he really wasn't even that good for his ranking indicated. He's a Towson. He really hasn't done much there either, so whatever. But, uh, you know, kuntz was concerned about how they were using the tight ends, and Tyler Sear reports conflicting. Supposedly, he got into a heated argument with the staff over, over all of it, and other people are saying, no, that's not what really what happened, and a whole bunch of stuff. But obviously, the you know, last game, he he screwed up on a blocking assignment. And plus, uh, he dropped a, you know, he dropped a pass, a shovel pass. So, you know, he really, you know, you know, he really hasn't been lighting it on fire. But, of course, with a a passing game, the way it's been, I don't think it's going to be any, you know, good to begin with. So, you know, the way to pass the game has been, he hasn't really had much of a chance anyway, so, well, well, the hell with it. So he's gone. But as far as pit goes, you know, we obviously lost a, um, had a big loss also yesterday where, uh, uh starting linebacker quitting where Janice is out for a season on a non-contact injury in practice, which kind of pisses you off because of all the injuries you can have, he was a key role, key on this defense and on defense it's pretty much been well not that not that overwhelming to say the least but he was one of their better performers and of course he's hurt and what's what's really shitty is it's a non-contact injury. That's kinda like what similar to what happened to Sean Watson last year with Houston. He got he his was non-contact as well but As Sean Jones pointed out when he did, you know, he did his radio show here, he played you know he played defense for the Oilers and Packers. Actually, was a really good player. Uh, he mentioned that uh, probably with uh, Watson's, probably with Witness, were Genesis too. A lot of times, those guys are hurt before these non-contact injuries happen. They're already hurt. And eventually, the bow going to break, and well, that's what happened there. So he's out. he had a surgery, and it sucks because his senior campaign's over, he's halfway through the year. You know, and I guess now you just get healthy and prepare for the draft, It's all you can really do at this point. So this is the type of, you know, thing you don't want to lose... As the season goes on, with the way your defense has been, because you know, Pitt, you know, Pitt won this past game, but you know, not a lot of wills were solved. Although to be fair, the defense they were making some big stops at one point, and Pitt obviously the offense sputtered and couldn't throw the knockout punch. And so when you can't throw the knockout punch, well, you let the team back in the game, and that's what happened. So we move on to um, Saturday's game Pitt's going to Notre Dame to play and obviously people were talking about you know one of the last times they were there and it was when Paul Christ was there and Pitt lost that game thanks to a um, you know a lot of people a lot of people do blame that pass interference call which I, I get but Pitt was up big in that game and had ample opportunities to put Notre Dame away and just didn't do it. I mean, they were up. They were. I mean, they were up. I think at least three scores, and they pissed the they pissed the lead away, which is what you can't do, and you can't put the game in the hands of the referees, which is what they did as well, because because they were always rolling a favorite Notre Dame. You know, that's what Jimmy Johnson once said. You know, when they were watching the uh, when they lost to Notre Dame back in the late '80s, and. Jimmy showed the replay of what happened and he said you can't put he said see you can't put the you can't put the game in the hands of the officials when you play Notre Dame because that's what happens they will always roll in favor of Notre Dame and not you know other than blowing the lead Pitt had, Pitt had opportunity to, to win the game in overtime because Notre Dame fumbled at the goal line of course kevin harper missed his field goals i mean jesus i mean there's every guy who was i mean we we harp on our special teams and like kevin harper was probably one of the most inconsistent kickers we've ever had it was like the guy didn't care he reminds me of like he reminded me of deck hockey players and the reason why i say is because a lot of deck hockey players i hate to throw deck hockey into this they don't care... How, they don't care how accurate their slap shot is... As long as they can go 20... You know... As long as they go 90 miles an hour... That's all they care about... Is the velocity of their slap shot... They don't give a shit about the accuracy... Which is what Kevin Harper was like... They all talked about how strong his... How, how strong his freaking leg was... But... Whenever he needed to make a fucking kick... He would... He, he would shake... Shake the shit out of it... But man... He had a hell of a leg though... And yeah... He... He blew a bunch of those freaking kicks... And, yeah, that was a big one he blew. So, I get that the uh, pass interference. We like to blame. But Pitt had both uh, of opportunities to win that game. So, it, it, yeah, sure, it, that pass interference turned the tie. But Pitt could have, you know, said, hey, hell, the hell with you. We're winning this game. They didn't do it. So... Obviously, for Notre Dame, this has national title implications involved, and they just came off a big win against Virginia Tech, and Pitt, you know, so Pitt has that going for them, because Notre Dame is probably, probably amped up after that big win against Tech. The maybe there's a letdown this time, and not to mention Notre Dame has been breaking in a new quarterback the last three weeks, and he's been sending the world on fire ever since. So, the hope for Pitt is this is the game where the kid fucks up and makes mistakes, throws picks our secondary starts reading him but you know this is a Brian Kelly offense so it's a spread much like uh, North Carolina, much like Central Florida and not to mention they got some freakishly good athletes better ones at that, but um, Notre Dame has a really good back, and Dexter Williams, I mean, he tore up Virginia Tech for over 160 yards, and obviously, he's going to be the one big focal point, you also got Book, the quarterback, he, uh, Notre Dame made a quarterback change, and he's been lighting the world on fire. He's been hitting everything. He's actually completed 73% of his passes since he's since he's in the last three weeks, three games. So he's uh, he's kicking ass. Notre Dame's a top 20 in rushing defense, which doesn't bode well for Pitt because Pitt can't really throw the ball. But with the tight end situation the way it is, I'm sure Pitt's going to throw an extra blocker in. They're going to they're gonna have to throw some sort of wrinkles in to get their, pat- their running game going because they're going to Pitt's obviously going to have to control the game with their running game, is how it's going to go. That's the only way they're going to match their game pound for pound is if they get their running game going. If they don't, then it's going to be a nothing. No, then look for another uh, Central Florida, Penn State type of blowout. Because this Notre Dame team is is, is different, ferocious. I, I wasn't soul on them. But the last few weeks, they've just been really turning it up big time. So I'm not really... Uh, I'm not really um, confident about this game. I don't think anybody is. People say anything can happen, but you know what? If you look at the history of the Pitt-Nerdame rivalry, it's, it's, you know, whatever whatever's likely, likely to happen is likely to happen. And that is Notre Dame being us. The unlikely is usually Pitt winning, pretty much. that has been like that for the last, maybe, 30 years. Yeah, unless, uh, you know, unless... Charlie Weiss is coaching him, which, you know, we always expect to win because Charlie Weiss, you know, sucked as their, you know, their coach. Although he did beat Dave Wanstead in his first game. And in fact, this, Weiss's first two years, he, they were really good. And it's mainly because he had Brady Quinn as his quarterback. You know, Quinn was a really good college QB and he had tons of talent that uh, Ty Willingham left him. And once a lot of talent left, he had Jimmy Clausen to break in and it was all downhill for there. So basically, the chances for Pitt is this one, you hope Notre Dame has, you know, this, this is their letdown game after you know being so built up and hyped from the tech win. Two, their quarterback makes a lot of mistakes because Pitt's going to need to do that, and they're going to have to force this guy to make mistakes. Three, Pitt's going to have to run, you know, establish their running game like they did last week because they had to, you know, they won last week the running game against Syracuse, which I won't complain about, but something has to give with the passing game, and when you, and when you're losing tight ends, pretty much at the drop of a hat because they don't like this offense well here you go I'm not sure how I'm not sure how Tacey your Mac if he's still healthy or not one thing I would like to see Pitt do possibly is maybe go to a spread you know get, the, get the, all those receivers in and spread the ball out and see what happens because obviously we don't you know we don't have a tight end so why don't we just throw a bunch of receivers out there and of course the running plays you know where those extra blockers in, so I'm sure I'm sure people figure that. We hope they're gonna have to because it's gonna be a long day for them and another embarrassing loss at the helm, anyways. The rest of the college football weekend well, tonight we got uh, South Florida and Tulsa, South Florida 5 0 and top 25. I mean, Charlie Strong has done a hell of a job with them. Not to mention they have, uh, you know, the guy at Florida State coached them as well and they did well there too, but Charlie had them in the AEC title game last year and they almost, they went toe-to-toe with Central Florida and almost beat them. But, you know, Charlie obviously has found this niche and plus he's in Florida recruiting, which is is where he was really good, you know, really good at. The guy can't recruit Florida, which is why, you know, Louisville wanted him so bad and that's why he was there and he did pretty well. And you can make the argument that maybe you know that he you know Petrino is obviously piggybacking off of uh, Charlie Strong, and that's why he did so well early on. You know, as Louisville coach, although you know for, you know to be fair, Petrino he had some really good Louisville teams. It's just that uh, when they joined the Big East, they had to change a lot of things, and they couldn't take the same players they used to take like like they were in Conference USA. And so things pretty much fell, off, fell apart under Cragthorpe. So, you know, that's, you know, Charlie's found his niche. And of course, you know, people have been harping on Tom Herman after Strong was gone. And Herman's, you know, after losing to Maryland, he, you know, Herman's been on a tear. Anyways, guys, the rest of the weekend. We got Georgia and LSU. That's a top 15 matchup. Georgia second rank, LSU 13th. Georgia should win this one handily. LSU isn't bad, it's just they're not great as the record, you know, pe- as people were hyping them up to be. They're more like uh, Fool's Gold at this point, and now that now the schedule's getting tougher, you're going to see, uh, you know, LSU lose more games. But they have one hell of a quarterback, though. Washington, Oregon. This will be a hell of a game. Oregon. Uh, I feel for Oregon because Stanford's lost her last. Stanford lost. Uh, has lost their last two games since that win. And I had Stanford being Utah, but Utah beat the crap out of Stanford. But uh, Oregon has Washington. This will be a tough game. Washington's a top eight team. You know. Lots of talk about Washington's defense and they've won a lot they've won a lot of close games. But uh, I don't know, I like Oregon to come in here and beat the you know and actually take out Washington. And it's out of Oregon, so yeah, I like that. Michigan State and Penn State. This game has been a um actually the land grand game has been a really, you know, really billable game. Because uh well ever since D'Antonio came in, the the series has been a lot more competitive because for a while it was pretty stale. It was more one-sided towards Penn State, but D'Antonio's come in and of course they've won their share of games against Penn State. Last year they they beat them as well and and I, I don't get... That's one of those games where Penn State... It was a close game that Penn State lost and I don't get the logic with Penn State. I mean, they... Franklin does you know does a hell of a job recruiting all this talent, but he seems like they should be winning a lot more these big game these these type of games than not. And you know last year they should have won, and they blew that one with some bad play calling, and they had like and Saquon Barkley, and they kept trying to throw the ball in the rain. West Virginia, Iowa State. That should be an interesting one. Iowa State's been uh been competitive as of recent and That could be a trap game for West Virginia. And it's at Iowa State. So that's one game to look after. That's going be that may that may be actually a close game. I mean West Virginia will probably win it. But it's a close game. I think if you're looking for an upset special, you're looking at that one there too. Uh my you know, um Wisconsin-Michigan should be a t- tough game as well. Should be a fun game. Paul Christ, you know, loves, loves physicality, loves defense, loves running the ball. And we'll see how tough Michigan is because they've won some games here recently. But this is going to be a big test for them here. I like Wisconsin in this one. I think I think Paul Christ is going to mow through these guys. I could be wrong, but I think he, uh, he pulled he, – he a W in this one, but uh, other than that, there's not really much else to go. There's not, not much else to um, go on as far as top twenty-five goes. Uh, around the ACC, we got Duke and Georgia Tech. Duke's four one. They're playing Georgia Tech, and uh, this is gonna be a tough one because Tech's been on a tear. They won their last two. And they just mowed down Louisville, so I don't know. I mean, uh, I like taking this one. Louisville, Louisville and Boston College, Louisville has been bad, and I don't see it getting any better for them. I see Adazio getting his fifth win, taking BC to five and two, and you know. I thought it just, just done a hell of a job. I mean, BC's more of a 500 program. It takes a special coach to, you know, like, like a you know. Like they had with, uh, well, that's well, yeah, there was Tom Coughlin, and he, you know, he did really well with them there. I'm trying to think of the other coach they had. It wasn't, uh, it was, um, it was before the guy, it was before the guy they fired. Because he interviewed for a job, but um you know BC's going to be your your eight and four at the at best program. Maybe nine and three. They've you know they've they played for the ACC top before. That was you know when Matt Ryan was there, and that was years and years ago. Miami, Virginia, Miami's sixteenth ranked, and Virginia obviously comes in. They're uh, three and two, but. Um, If Miami is keeping uh, Tua as their starter, obviously I obviously don't like Virginia's chances. But if we're gonna stick with the uh, the hot hand, because you know uh, Mark Rick had to make a choice, and the thing about Tua was he didn't he just didn't have it. I mean, you gotta have. I mean, he's a senior. You have or you don't. He just wasn't accurate. Can't make reads. So they had to get rid of pull him for the younger guy, and he tore it up. I mean, if, uh, if they were making a change of QB, I would say uh, I would like Virginia's chances, but I think I mean it's gonna be smooth sailing from here on out for them. And the last game, Virginia Tech and North Carolina should be a, this is gonna be a fun matchup because, you know North, well, not really actually, because North Carolina really isn't that good. We just we just made them look good. They're like one in three. Virginia Tech, obviously, for them, November has come early. Unfortunately, because usually what happens is tech rolls off all these wins. November usually comes when they start playing actual opponents, and of course, they lose. But they've done it early because Old Dominion came in and beat them, and and, it, and what's crazy about that is it, it's a 14-year series with them. It's a seven, it's a seven-home, seven-away series, so. Um, wonder if, you know Steve Pearson obviously is not their AD who knows with that speaking of that Frank Solich has won, won 100 games on high OU if you remember Solich he was kicked out of uh, Nebraska after winning t- 10 games granted Nebraska wasn't really that good and still though 10 wins is 10 wins and of course you know Pearson was going to accept mediocrity, and so he booted um, Solich for uh, Dave Callahan because the uh, the search for the new head coach for Nebraska was disastrous to a point where that you know that that, didn't, that how that ended up. Callahan comes in and tries to retool you know a primarily option offense into a West Coast, and it was disastrous for the most part. I think he did have one really good year where they went where they were like nine and four. And then after that the wheels just fell off. And then of course Bo Polini came in. And Bo made him very Bo made him more respectable. But they never really got over the top and they went to the Big Ten, and you know, and they were really competitive there, but, um, they never really, you know, got to where they, you know, to Nebraska we, that we knew, and loved all so much, you know, it's the same old, same old, and Pliny obviously had an issue with the AD, and, you know, he's, basically, Pliny was more of a mouth breather, and, he ran his mouth a bunch of times and there was a bunch of recordings, and well, he lost his job. And now he's at Youngstown State where he's winning. And of course, you know, he has nothing. you know, he, with him and Youngstown State, it's probably the best for him because less politics. He gets to coach and not have to deal with red tape. So good for him. But um, Nebraska went ahead and pulled in Mike Riley, which was all disastrous hire. And now Scott Frost is put, taking the job. And well, Scott Frost is, um, he's been really bad as, as of late. I mean, personally, I mean, for me, he just got off a 13 0 season with Central Florida. He's, a, he's living in Orlando. I mean, personally, for me, if I had to weigh it out. Regardless of who I go with, I'm going to get paid no matter what. But I probably stay in Central Florida because at least I can I can still win games and recruit some really good athletes there. And their with no slouch either. I mean, and their stadiums at least forty fifty thousand. So what else do you really need? I mean, but for in the case of Scott Frost, he he has to go back to his alma mater and coach, and good for him and. Personally, I would have stayed in I would in Central Florida, enjoy the weather, enjoyed getting paid. Because I mean, maybe it's not gonna be Nebraska money, but it's still, gonna, it's still gonna be really good money, though. And plus, you know, you're winning. You're, you you get you got a good you know, fertile recruiting area where you don't have to you know convince kids that you know the come come to Lincoln and play. You know. You know, all you gotta do is show him around in Florida and then there you go <clears throat> but um you know he's obviously got his work work cut for him oh uh okay so that wraps up the weekend of college this you know week of co- weekend of college football come up, upcoming uh if you guys can go check out the um crowds line app can predict scores it's free and If you finish in a certain place, you get, you know, an Amazon gift card of certain amounts. I mean, I've won probably, I've won by $50 Amazon gift cards this year so far. It's been fun. I like it. I mean, I like to to buy Amazon, so it works out for me. But uh, as we finish up here, uh, stuff to kick around... Obviously, Antonio Brown's being sued because he threw, I guess, uh, furniture off of off his balcony. And I guess almost hit some almost hit some people below him. One was a kid, and obviously, the kid's supposed having nightmares of the furniture thrown on him. And I can understand that if it almost hits them. I mean, obviously, the kids probably had dealt with a lot of stress from that. I mean, shoot, I would, but. uh... That's on the surface, but I mean, I like to see I would like to see if there's any video of this happening. You know, he through the furniture, and you know where this kid was, all that. I mean, I'm sure when this lawsuit goes, all that will be sorted out. Because I'm sure there's tons of questions to be asked. But and I'm sure people are going to say, "Well, you know, it's a dumb law. Lo- it's a dumb lawsuit because they're looking for money," and I get that. But if he really was throwing furniture off his balcony, you know, here's the thing. You should be throwing furniture off your balcony. Especially if you're living in, especially if you're in a high-rise or some hotel, and there's people below you. You don't, you don't throw furniture. You don't do it. I mean, hell, I remember staying in Ocean City. I knocked over a beer can. It was empty, thank God. It was an accident. It didn't hit nobody at all. There was nobody around, but, this, but some douchebag came off, as uh, wherever he was sitting, threw it back up, I sent him, said his girlfriend, and really, there was nobody there, and we just let it go, because it was probably some dude j- drinking, and probably just looking, you know, had his beer muscles going, and I don't, I can really care less about fighting at that point, I just want to drink and enjoy the beach, but anyways, guys, I got another half hour of this crap to go, because that's how traffic is here, and It's like, um, well, it's definitely like the pit defense because if it was a pit defense, I'd be blowing through this thing. Oh, well, guys, anyways, enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the weekend. Hella pit. Let's hope something happens. Bye-bye.